Hi, food eaters. This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. Welcome to the 18th episode. As its name implies, this podcast is dedicated to revealing what's in the commercial foods we eat. With every episode, you'll get a mini-lesson in food education, food science, and a bit of the history of food. In today's show, I take on bread, America's favorite staple. Here are some of the topics that I'll be talking about. The most popular bread of the 20th century. Why historically the masses have craved white bread. The link between the B vitamins and bread. And as usual, I'll investigate some of the ingredients in bread by examining four commercial breads ranging from not so great to the best of. Finally, we'll get a glimpse at a new product hitting the grocery store shelves. For those new to the podcast, here's some of my history. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And for many years, I've had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the processed foods we eat, what constitutes those foods, and what they could be doing to our health. This is the only podcast that I know of that is devoted to looking behind the processed food curtain at all of those strange, unusual, and sometimes dangerous ingredients that wind up in many of the foods stocked on the grocery store shelves. This is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It won't cost you a penny, and I won't beg for money. There are no sponsors or financial supporters. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and I refuse to help promote any business, commercial product, or organization. All I ask of you is to lend me your ears for a short time to inform, to educate, and to entertain. You know, I've always loved bread, loved eating it, loved making it in a bread machine nowadays. When I was growing up in the 1950s and 60s, Everybody I knew ate bread. We either had toast for breakfast or sandwiches for lunch. Those were the days before low-carb diets. I had never heard of celiac disease, and gluten intolerance was virtually unknown. Gluten wasn't even a word in the common vocabulary back then. In fact, we were encouraged to eat bread, having been told that it was full of vitamins and minerals, and it was good for us. As long as I can remember... I always heard the phrase staff of life when referring to bread. As a kid, I conjured up an image of some biblical figure like Moses holding up a huge staff. Not only could he smite people with it, but it was also used to magically produce bread or manna for the starving people of Israel. Little did I know at that time that the phrase staff of life was just an idiom first recorded in the English language in the 17th century, the early part of the 17th century. According to Webster, an idiom is an expression that can't be understood from the meanings of the separate words, but has a meaning all of its own. Other idioms, like open a can of worms or pulling your leg, are not to be taken literally. The phrase staff alive has had a consistent meaning throughout the long history of the English language and simply refers to a staple food, an important sustaining food for consumption. Throughout recorded human history, 
the grains that are used to make bread have been considered to be an essential part of the human diet. Like millions of other kids in the 1950s, my favorite bread was Wonder Bread, a soft, squishy bread that seemed to melt in your mouth. Its plastic wrapper was eye-catching with the brightly colored balloons all over it. Is that an old commercial from 1952 that I hear? Here's how to help build strong bodies eight ways. Eat Wonder Bread. You want to go bigger and stronger, don't you? Golly, sure. Okay. A sandwich daily and two slices of Wonder Bread every meal give you eight elements you need. As much muscle-building protein as roast beef, as much calcium for bones and teeth as cottage cheese, as much phosphorus for cell metabolism as this egg, as much iron for red blood as three lamb chops, as much vitamin B1 for appetite as fried liver, as much vitamin B2 for growth as this much cheese, as much niacin for mental health as six sardines, as much energy as two glasses of milk. That's why you can help yourself grow bigger and stronger eight ways with Wonder Bread. I mean grow bigger and stronger eight ways. So be sure to eat Wonder Bread. Get Wonder Bread fresh at your grocer's today. The Taggart Baking Company of Indianapolis, Indiana, first produced Wonder Bread in 1921. The brand name was coined by Elmer Klein, the vice president of merchandising development. The legend goes that Elmer attended a balloon race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He was enthralled with wonder at the sight of the colored balloons. Four years later, the company was purchased by Continental Baking, which began to market Wonder Bread nationally. They introduced such innovations as sliced bread in the 1930s and was one of the first companies to add vitamins and minerals to bread in the 1940s. More about that later. Also, celebrities were associated with Wonder Bread, such as two of my favorites, the puppet Howdy Doody and the human Buffalo Bob Smith. In the ads, they claim that Wonder Bread builds strong bodies eight ways. By the 1960s, the slogan was, helps build strong bodies 12 ways, making the bread sound really healthy. That was one of the great ruses of the processed food industry in the 20th century, and man, did we fall for it. In 1995, Continental Baking was taken over by Interstate Bakeries, which was later renamed as Hostess Brands. Over the next 17 years, the Hostess Company went through a number of ups and downs until finally declaring bankruptcy in 2012. In 2013, the Flowers Foods Company took over the Hostess brands and revived Wonder Bread, as well as returning Twinkie snack cakes to the desperate masses. In researching this episode, I was surprised to discover that my local grocery store, a national chain, does not carry Wonder Bread, so apparently it hasn't made a complete comeback yet. I'll return to Wonder Bread later in the show uh, when I talk about bread ingredients. What are the essential ingredients for just making bread? A basic recipe would include flour, water, salt, and yeast, or a sourdough starter. That's it. Very basic. But you would have a hard time trying to find, or I should say trying to buy, a loaf of bread with just those ingredients in it. Why? 
That turns out to be a complicated question, and the answer is really the gist of this episode. Even when I make bread at home, I probably use twice that number of ingredients. Part of the answer lies in our modern preferences for bread. Another part concerns the industrialization of bread and how manufacturers need to make breads that are consistent from one bag to another and will hold up during the manufacturing process, the transporting, and while sitting on grocery store shelves. Let's start with preferences. That's an interesting and ironic story. For most of recorded human history, breads were made from flours generated from coarse grinds of grains like wheat, barley, rye, and others. The breads were dark, not white, but they did have a tendency to acquire mold and fungus, giving rise to several diseases, and the lifetimes were short due to rancidity. Over time, people developed a preference for white bread, which held up better over time, was more refined, not coarse, and produced a desirable soft texture. But white wheat flour was expensive to produce. Here's why. What makes regular wheat flour, or as we call it today, whole wheat, what makes it coarse and dark are the parts of the wheat berry, which is the seed, known as the germ, which is the oily part, and the bran, which is the fibrous part. To remove those parts requires time, labor, and machinery. What's left after those parts are removed is what's called the endosperm. That's the starchy part. After grinding or milling the endosperm, it's a matter of sifting, or in the old days it was called bolting, to remove the gritty particles to give a uniform fine flour which had a slight yellow color. Even the Romans sifted wheat into seven grades of flour using cloth made from woven horse hair. As particles got sifted out, the flour became whiter and finer. Storing the flour for a period of time naturally aged and lightened it. In the olden days, it took three tradesmen to make white bread. There was the miller, the grinder, the bolter, who was the sifter, and the baker. Of course, with all those requirements, white flour was more expensive, so only the rich could afford it. That means everybody else, not so well off, desired bread made from white flour. It was a status symbol. As early as the 13th century in England, King Henry III attempted to standardize bread making so people would know what they were getting when they paid for bread. The royal edict was called the Assize of Bread and Ale and held firm until the early 1800s. According to the book, The Dark History of Food Fraud by B. Wilson, the Assize regulated the weight, price, and composition of bread. It listed seven different kinds of loaves. The best of the best was wastel bread. It was white and eaten by the rich. Next came cocket bread, similar to wastel, but made with an inferior flour. Simnel bread was a rich, cake-like flour also eaten by the rich. The stuff eaten by the masses was what we know today as whole wheat bread. There were several other categories for the really poor. 
White bread was so prized that many bakers doctored cheap flour so it would mimic the more expensive white bread. A white mineral called alum, composed of aluminum sulfate and other salts, was added to the cheap flour. Aluminum is not a body-friendly element, and alum has properties of being astringent, that means it causes binding or puckering, and emetic, which means it can cause vomiting. So the unethical bakers had to be pretty careful in using it. But the alum would turn second-rate white flour, which made grayish bread, into a light white porous loaf that could be sold at a lower price than the more expensive white bread. In 1758, the British government banned the use of alum, but it was still in common use in the mid-1800s, as it was difficult to detect as an adulterant. Now, let's advance in time to the 20th century. Following the industrial and chemical revolutions, the old ways of making white bread were superseded by modern machines with rolling mills that could grind wheat berries to a fine powder and simultaneously remove the wheat germ that contributed color. Time-intensive sifting or bolting were no longer needed, but there was still a problem with color. Even without the germ, most varieties of wheat flour still had a slight yellow color. How to make cheap and consistent white flour so mills could sell tons of it to commercial bakeries? Aging the flour in an oxygen atmosphere could whiten it, but that process took months. In the early 1900s, chemical bleaching agents or oxidizers were introduced. Today, there are a handful of chemicals that turn flour pristine white and also improve the bread-making process. Some of these are azodicarbonamide, or, or ADA for short, ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C, chlorine, chlorine dioxide, benzoyl peroxide, and calcium peroxide. Some important notes here. A few of these chemicals are toxic, but since they are considered processing aids, they don't have to be listed on the ingredients label. Most of the chemicals are volatile, so they are not supposed to wind up in the finished products. But you never know. Accidents do happen. All bleaching agents have been banned in the United Kingdom. Several nations, including the European, European Union, Canada, and China, have banned the use of benzoyl peroxide and other peroxides as processing aids because of health concerns. Let's sum up. So, in the early part of the 20th century, the public, rich and poor alike, got access to a cheap and plentiful, plentiful supply of white bread. Everybody's happy, right? No. Uh, a new twist to the story occurs. Early in the 20th century, biochemists and doctors discovered an alarming link between food and several horrible diseases, namely pellagra and beriberi. These diseases turned out to be diet-related. The symptoms of pellagra included inflamed skin, diarrhea, dementia, and sores in the mouth. Areas of the skin exposed to either sunlight or friction were typically affected first. Over time, affected skin uh, became darker, stiff, began to peel or bleed. The symptoms of beriberi included weight loss, emotional disturbances, impaired sensory perception, 
weakness and pain in the limbs, and periods of irregular heart rate. The disease cause turned out to be vitamin deficiencies in the food supply. With the discovery of vitamins and their role in human health in the early 20th century, the mystery of those diseases was solved. Pellagra was due to a deficiency in vitamin B3, known as niacin, while beriberi was due to a deficiency in vitamin B1, known as thiamine. Food scientists put two and two together and figured out that due to the processing of white flour and white rice, the B vitamins got removed along with a bunch of other nutrients. So here is truly one of the great ironies and stupidities of human existence. People, by virtue of their personal preferences, ate processed foods that caused vitamin deficiencies leading to disease. Now, if humans were really a sensible species and interested in their personal well-being, you would think that everyone would agree that eating white bread made from white flour was bad for health and would be banned, or at least denounced. People could just go back to eating the darker, unbleached, whole grain bread with its full complement of vitamins, minerals, fiber, and other goodies. Problem solved. But no, we all know what happened. The U.S. and British governments in the 1940s set up programs to force milling companies to enrich the white flour. That is, add back into the flour synthetic vitamins to make up for the losses due to refining. That word enrich is ironic in itself. It means to make rich. It's interesting that this landmark decision was made early in World War II. At that time, the U.S. Army declared that it would only buy enriched flour. So baking companies doing business with the government had to start enriching white flour. Nowadays, the FDA mandates that white flour be enriched with thiamine, vitamin B1, riboflavin, vitamin B2, niacin, vitamin B3, and reduced iron. And since 1996, folic acid or folate has been added to flour. Why is that? Folate deficiency in women can lead to neural tube defects, which represent one of the most prevalent groups of birth defects. But folate addition to bread is not enrichment, but falls in the category of fortification. It's a micronutrient added to food to increase its content to levels greater than are normally found in that food. Another example of fortification would be calcium added to milk. All right, enough of the history of bread. Let's take a trip to the local grocery store and see what they've got. After entering the store, there's a big deli section, but right next to that is an even bigger bakery section stocked full of name brand breads, store brand breads, and breads baked right there in the store bakery. Also, the natural food section has frozen breads in it. There are even breads in the main frozen food aisle, including toast, breadsticks, dinner rolls, and bake-it-yourself products. As I am wont to do, I counted all the variety of breads with the exception of the frozen toast, etc. Here's what I found. 
There were about 59 regular breads, about 40 buns, both hot dog and hamburger, about 76 specialty breads, including dark, sweetened, artisan, bagels, muffins, and the store-baked ones, and there were 11 frozen breads and muffins in the natural food section. That's a grand total of about 186 selections. Yes, bread is still popular in this country, and we have an amazing number of choices. I've selected four breads to examine to get a broad spectrum of ingredients and health benefits. I'll start with the unhealthiest one and work my way up to the gold standard. Generally speaking, the breads with the most ingredients, the most additives, and the longest shelf lives are the worst products to consume from a health standpoint. Those breads need to be uniform in appearance, industri industrially reproducible, look good on the shelf for long periods of time, and must rot slowly or not at all. Of course, in our country, those breads usually turn out to be the cheapest and the most popular. In general, here are the usual types of ingredients in cheap commercial breads. There's flour, water, sugar, yeast, oil, wheat gluten, salt, calcium salts, emulsifiers, dough conditioners, enzymes, preservatives, bleaching agents, and the vitamins. I won't be covering every single ingredient in the following bread selections. There are just too many, but I'll highlight a few interesting ones. For more facts about bread, you might also want to listen to the number nine podcast called Eating a Bologna Sandwich. Let's start with my old time favorite, the one I cut my teeth on, Wonder Classic White Bread, priced at $2.49 for 20 slices or 12 cents a slice at the Myers store online. As I mentioned, Wonder Bread is not available at my grocery store, so I had to go online to search for its basic information. The first place I went was to the webpage of the manufacturer, Flowers Foods. There I found all the wonderful Wonder products listed, but there was no ingredient or nutritional information posted for any of them. It almost seemed like the company was ashamed of what they produced. Most food companies post the nutrition fact and ingredient information for their products. Fortunately, the Meyer Store Online did have the information I needed. So here are the 27 ingredients in Wonder Classic White Bread. Unbleached enriched flour made from wheat flour, malted barley flour, niacin, reduced iron, thiamine mononitrate, riboflavin, and folic acid. Then there's water, high fructose corn syrup, yeast, and then the following uh, are contained at 2% or less in the bread. Calcium carbonate, soybean oil, wheat gluten, salt, dough conditioners, which may be one of the following. Sodium steroidal lactylate, calcium steroidal lactylate, monoglycerides, mono and diglycerides, distilled monoglycerides, calcium peroxide, calcium iodate, datum, ethoxylated mono and diglycerides, enzymes, and finally ascorbic acid. That's the end of the dough conditioner list. Then we have vinegar, monocalcium phosphate, yeast extract, modified cornstarch, sucrose, sugar, soy lecithin, colcalciferol, which is vitamin D3, soy flour, ammonium sulfate, calcium sulfate, and finally calcium propionate. 
I actually read over 27 ingredients because Flowers Foods states that one or more dough conditioners could be used. They list 11 dough conditioners, but due to trade secrets, they decided not to tell consumers which ones they're using. My guess is that it's the particular combination of dough conditioners that give Wonder Bread its distinctive softness and melt-in-the-mouth characteristic. You can li literally roll a slice of Wonder Bread into a small ball in your hand, pop it into your mouth, swish it around a bit, and the stuff will soon disappear. You may not even need teeth to chew it. Starting at the top of the ingredient list, we see unbleached enriched flour. Yes, I said unbleached. Now that's a surprise. Unlike the old days, the flour in Wonder Bread is not bleached now. That must mean that naturally aged or oxidized flour is being used. But you would think that would make the bread more expensive. In recent decades, the cautions around bleaching agents has permeated into the public discourse. Some bleaching chemicals are toxic, may leave toxic residues in the finished product, and have been banned in many countries. This is a very positive change for commercial breads. Now, if you don't see the word unbleached in the ingredient list of a bread product, chances are that the flour is bleached. The enriched flour contains the B vitamins discussed earlier, as well as folic acid and reduced iron, also called ferrous iron. The iron is added mostly for the sake of women who have a higher dietary need for it. Malted barley flour is often added to bread because it gives the yeast more nutrients, mostly sugar, and provides the bread with a better taste. And then there's the enzymes, uh, which help with conditioning the dough. The wheat gluten additive helps with the structure of the rising dough to keep it from collapsing. The chemical additive, calcium carbonate, helps with leavening and boosts the calcium content of the bread. The dough conditioners are all very industrial chemicals. In general, dough conditioners strengthen the gluten and improve the dough's ability to rise, which increases the volume of the finished loaf. It also helps produce softer crumbs and more uniform texture. In the baking industry, it is thought to improve the ability of the bread to resist abuse. One of the dough conditioners listed is calcium iodate. Wonderful! A new ingredient for the podcast. I can't find any information about this chemical as regards bread, even at the Bakerpedia website, which describes the primary ingredients in baked goods. It may play the same role as potassium iodate, which will be talked about in the next reviewed bread. Another dough conditioner is calcium peroxide. Fantastic! Another new ingredient. This chemical should raise a red flag because everyone knows that peroxides are bleaching agents. But calcium peroxide is also a fast-acting dough oxidizing agent. It has been shown to tighten up the dough and dry its surface, reducing its adhesive properties. That means it uh, doesn't stick to the sides of things. Also, in the dough conditioner list, we see some emulsifying agents, chemicals that help water and oil stay mixed together. There are monoglycerides, diglycerides, and my favorite, datum, D-A-T-U.
D-A-T-U-M. Most people reading the word datum would think that it's an actual word in the English language, but it's really an acronym for a mouthful of chemical names. Datum stands for diacetyl tartaric acid of mono and diglycerides. Wow. Who'd have thunk that chemistry played such an important role in commercial bread making? At the end of the Wonder Bread ingredient list is sugar, which appears twice as sucrose and sugar. There's also another sweetener, high fructose corn syrup, uh, which is near the top of the list. Then there is soy lecithin, another emulsifier, ammonium sulfate that feeds the yeast and helps promote consistency, volume, crumb, and shelf life. There's a tad bit of colcalciferol or vitamin D3 for fortification. And at the end, we have calcium propionate as a preservative. I do need to give Flowers Foods a thumbs up for not using the nasty preservatives like BHA and BHT. Next up for examination is Brownberry Dutch Country 100% Whole Wheat Bread, priced at $3.69 for 18 slices or $0.21 a slice. The Brownberry Company started in 1946 in Wisconsin and has experienced six mergers to date. It is currently owned by Bimbo Bakeries, yes, I said Bimbo Bakeries, uh, which is the American wing of a large multinational corporation established in Mexico. The unfortunate choice of the name Bimbo originated as a combination of Bambi and Bingo, but the founders were not aware of the alternative slang meaning. The brownberry bread is a big step up from Wonder Bread, since the flour is 100% whole wheat with all the endearing qualities of a whole food. The 21 ingredients are as follows. Whole wheat flour, water, sugar, wheat gluten, soybean oil, yeast, wheat bran, salt, enrichment, which includes calcium sulfate, vitamin E acetate, vitamin A, palmitate, vitamin D3. Then there are monoglycerides, calcium propionate, datum, soy lecithin, citric acid, grain vinegar, potassium iodate, ethoxylated mono and diglycerides, and finally calcium phosphate. First of all, notice that the B vitamins are missing. No enrichment here, at least for those. No need for it, since the wheat berries have not been stripped of important nutrients. The Brownberry Company also threw in some extra vitamins. There's vitamin E, vitamin A, and vitamin D to really fortify the product. Most of the other ingredients we've seen before. The chemical potassium iodate shows up as a dough conditioner and bread improver. It may be present to soften the dough for faster mixing and to reduce staling of the finished bread. Note that a residue of potassium iodate is considered a potential carcinogen, and some countries have banned it. Towards the end of the brownberry ingredient list are ethoxylated mono and diglycerides. Those words just trip off my tongue. This is a twofer ingredient both brand new and the ingredient of the day. 
it's really hard to contain my excitement. Ethoxylated mono and diglycerides, abbreviated EMG, are emulsifiers produced by an interaction between glycerides and the poisonous gas ethylene oxide. The two are some of the oldest and widely used food emulsifiers, derived from the glycerol, which is found in plant oils and animal fat. Their dough-strengthening properties are strong, so they are popular for crusty breads with a chewy texture. They also improve shelf life for baked goods. The third bread I'm going to examine is Simple Truth Organic Nine Grain priced at $3.99 for 20 slices, or 20 cents a slice. Here are the 34 ingredients. Water, organic wheat flour, organic white whole wheat, organic dried cane syrup, organic whole wheat flour, yeast, organic wheat gluten, organic rolled oats. Contains a 2% or less of the following ingredients. Organic brown flaxseed, organic whole grain wheat, organic whole grain oats, organic whole grain triticale, organic whole grain barley, organic whole grain corn, organic whole grain rye, organic whole grain spelt, organic whole grain corisand wheat, organic sunflower seeds, organic sesame seeds, organic whole grain bulgur wheat, organic brown rice, organic whole grain buckwheat, organic quinoa, organic millet, organic amaranth, organic vinegar, cultured organic unbleached wheat flour, sea salt, organic soybean oil, organic poppy seed, organic soy lecithin, calcium sulfate, ascorbic acid, and finally, enzymes. Ooh. So this bread has the organic thing going for it. So no pesticides or herbicides were used to make any of the ingredients. Simple Truth claims that their products are free of over 101 preservatives and other additives. The ingredients are GMO-free. However, there are a boatload of ingredients in this bread, more than any other being examined. But most of them sound good. After the wheat flour, there's a combination of small amounts of various whole grains, some of which I've never heard of, like Corazan wheat and triticale. Sounds pretty healthy, right? But darn, there's a catch. You've got to read that label carefully. The second ingredient is organic wheat flour. Notice that the phrase organic whole wheat flour was not used. So the grain, which is the second largest ingredient, has been stripped of its nutrients. But the third and fourth ingredients are organic white whole wheat and organic whole wheat flour, so that's all good. Since this bread is not enriched, that suggests that all the ingredients taken together uh, provide sufficient amounts of B vitamins, folate, and reduced iron. The few additives in this product are nothing new, so I won't spend time on them except to say that ascorbic acid, a preservative, is used, which is another vitamin, vitamin C. The fourth and last bread to examine is Ezekiel 4,9 sprouted whole grain bread, priced at $4.99 for 20 slices or 25 cents a slice. This is a frozen bread found in the natural foods section of the store. This bread is all natural and organic. It has no preservatives, not even flour is in it, 
and it's made from sprouted grains. The name Ezekiel 4,9 comes from a Bible passage that reads, quote, Take also unto thee wheat and barley, and beans and lentils and millet, and spelt, and put them in one vessel, and make bread of it. Unquote. The eleven ingredients are as follows. Organic sprouted wheat, filtered water, organic sprouted barley, organic sprouted millet, organic malted barley, organic sprouted lentils, organic sprouted soybeans, organic sprouted spelt, fresh yeast, organic wheat gluten, and finally sea salt. Shocking! There are no additives in this bread. Also, no preservatives since the bread is sold frozen and won't spoil in shipment or storage. With the exception of water, yeast, and salt, all the ingredients are real, whole foods. No need for added nutrients. No need for enrichment or fortification. This bread has significant fiber in it. Can't beat it. To summarize the bread evaluations, everybody knows we usually purchase foods based on four criteria. One, custom or tradition. Two, taste three, price, and four, nutrition. Usually the first three went out, particularly price. The prices per slice for the examined breads are Wonder Bread at 12 cents, Brownberry Bread at 21 cents, Simple Truth Organic Nine Grain at 20 cents, and Ezekiel Sprouted Whole Grain at 25 cents. So, turns out what is best for your body is the most expensive. Wonder Bread comes in at half the price. Sadly, most Americans will go for the Wonder Bread, then wonder, years later, why they are plagued by the debilitating diseases like diabetes, heart attacks, strokes, liver and kidney failures, brain diseases like dementia. Seems like I've, I've hit the subject of bread pretty hard in this program, but, but really I've just scratched the surface. A whole series of shows could be made about bread and its ingredients. We often don't hear about the hidden ingredients in food products because they don't show up on labels and the government doesn't require that they be revealed. In the case of bread, I could talk about bromated wheat flour, not very good for you, residues of herbicides and pesticides, also not good for you, chemicals from packaging, some which may not be good for you, undesirable animal parts, and so on and so on. In some future episode, I'll address the vast subject of the hidden ingredients in foods and their possible ill effects. That sound says it's time to check out something new on the grocery store shelves. This product is from a company called Barnana. Like the name sounds, they make snack bars made from bananas and other ingredients. The bananas are what they call upcycled. They're ripe organic bananas that have been dehydrated. The product for a review is called Ginger Snap Organic Crunchy Banana Brittle. Another one of those long product names. Here are the ingredients. Banana, banana chips, oat flour, coconut, coconut oil, almond flour, coconut palm sugar, cassava, starch, ginger, sea salt, vanilla extract, cinnamon, natural banana flavor, and vitamin C. This product is organic, gluten-free, GMO-free, and plant-based. But the snack is pricey. 
about $9 for a three and a half ounce bag. Wow. Except for the fat content, the nutrition profile isn't bad, but if you ate the whole bag, you would be consuming 35 grams total fat, which is equal to about 36% of the recommended daily amount. At the same time, you'd be getting seven grams of fiber, that's a bit, seven grams of protein, that's good, but 35 grams of sugar, which is quite a hit of sweetness. I might try it once, but the price on this product is rather daunting. It's time to end the show. I hope you've learned a few things about wheat flour and bread. Maybe you'll think twice before grabbing the dirt cheap, low quality white bread off the shelf. All breads are not recreated equal, and some will do your body better than others. You just need to read those labels. For me, it's worth spending the extra money to get something which is nutritious and will do the body good. To all you food eaters out there, thanks for tuning in. If you could leave a review, good or bad, at the iTunes store, I would greatly appreciate it. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed at the hosting website called Podbean, which is at www.podbean.com. And there's also show notes included there. Or you can search online for the title Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet, wherever podcasts are found. Also, if you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast, feel free to drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one phrase, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. Until next time, take care. And if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants.